yeah, damn, Chris, it's been a minute. I just yeah. looked it up. Dude, last time you were on the show was episode 117. And wow. this is 404? 405. 405. Oh, my current weight. <laughs> yeah. Chris, dude, um, we had to have you on in February for our uh, <laughs> recently remembered uh, bit of found footage February. That's right. Oh, okay. A found footage celebration here. But, dude, you've been up to some interesting stuff. And, um, God, we, we got to catch up. So, of course, we worked with you on WMUF Halloween. We uh, commissioned that trailer for Uff, which I still watch every now and then. <laughs> I love it. Dude, it's so it's good. It's one of my favorite things. <laughs> but since then, you did What Happens Next Will Scare You and Out There Halloween Megatape. And um, I just watched What Happens Next Will Scare You. Uh-huh. because We just got our DVD like a month ago. Oh, really? I, I think wow. we, we moved in between when you were done and we did the Kickstarter. Uh... Yeah. So it, it got sent back, and then Oksana reached out and was like, hey, do you still have that? Mm. And y'all were like, oh, we don't really check this email anymore, but uh, yeah, we do. That's so we got so it recently. Yeah. Dude, man, you're one of the most interesting minds in, like, found footage horror, and I don't mean that as a slur. Oh. I don't, <laughs> are you writing his eulogy right now? I, I was going to say, like, when usually I use the word interesting uh, when I'm like, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> no, I mean, God. So that's very I, interesting. <laughs> no, I, I mean it. I mean it genuinely. And uh, again, I apologize for people I'm, listening, uh, but I've been talking about you a lot. And there's this thing that I've wanted to happen forever. And oh, okay, where do we start with this? So, found footage horror, we're, okay. we're doing like a faux reality t- kind of thing. You don't want it to be too real because people get mad at you for tricking them, but you don't want it to be too fake because then people won't even pay attention. So you got to like walk this tightrope of like real, but still fun. And mm. there's an opportunity when you're doing an indie publishing and you're putting it out on your own to, you know, take advantage of the direct link you have with your audience. So like, um, like you did with out there mega tape, mm-hmm. you, you print the DVD and you send it directly to people. There's an opportunity for storytelling there because yeah, the absolutely. format is directly coming from you. and without their mega tape i think you might be the first person to ever really take advantage of it <laughs> i think it's what one thing that's really interesting about there and i'll explain the larger stuff uh stuff to any listeners who don't know what that what 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 the world building prior to seeing the movie even is but one of the things that's interesting is like people have been <clears throat> a lot of people have been like frustrated like why can't i stream this and like i understand streaming is like obviously a perfect perfectly fine avenue to watch a movie but like i wanted to own that connection to our audience a lot more than if i just licensed it to a platform okay so out there halloween make a mega tape um the sequel to wf basically the thing that makes it world building before you even see the movie is you can only buy it from me um from our website wnuf.bigcartel.com and basically when you get it you get it from trader tony's tape dungeon which is like a fake mail order like bootleg video operation and that whole the whole shtick about it when you get the dvd wrap and you read the back basically the whole thing is that like when i was a kid i used to buy movies from this guy out, out of his mail order catalog and um for all intents and purposes like he uh gotten you know well he basically went to jail for, for bootlegging tapes and this movie is being released to help fund his pay down his legal bills so like one of the things we did with 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 not only that but like additional world building was we did, i wrote a whole fake catalog of movies you could order from trader tony's tape dungeon so that was like one of my covid projects because 
WNF2 got fucked up, like, because of COVID with the hit right while we were in production. Um, so, but, like, I wrote a, a catalog full of 350 fake movies that you can order from him, like, non-sploitation movies, kung fu movies, just kind of all kinds of cult, weird, porno, all kinds of things. And that was, like, a, a thing we gave to people at a certain backer level. Um, but that that whole idea of creating that sort of ecosystem of just, like, you know, like, fake reality, but still playing it for, you know, sincere, but like, sincere, like, if you feel authentic enough, I guess I should say. That's like, oh, we really cared about doing that with this one. Plus, I looked at like making WF and I was like, oh my gosh, like all the things that I like. WF was like me look, thinking, like, oh, what could this be? But doing it so fast. And then the time after that, my brain sort of was allowed to sort of like gestate on these ideas and like, oh, fuck, we could do so many crazy things with this. So, so Chris, but like, isn't, did you have to work up to having that sort of release? And what I mean by that is. <laughs> No, what I mean is... It just sounded sexual. Did it? <laughs> to me, it did. Well, you just wait. I'm just... Yeah. I'm just <laughs> what I mean is, is like, you know, <clears throat> when you have a brand and you do a thing, you have to cultivate a fan base. Yes. And you do that by doing your thing. And the more you yes. do your thing, the more people see your thing. And you hit up certain level to where... Hey, I've got people who support me doing my thing. So now I'm only going to do my thing for the people that really love doing my thing. And this seems like the tip of the top of that doing that. I, I think that's actually a very valid point. I mean, like I had <laughs> you got there eventually. <laughs> no, no, no. But but I mean, like essentially, like um, I'll never forget um, years ago, I was doing a um, this is a long time ago, my early 20s, um, some 38 next two months from now anyway but um <clears throat> so there was i was doing a video and i was basically doing a um God, it's such a long obnoxious story i should just say what she said i was doing a video for this woman that had like a styrofoam like fabrication um company and she said she was talking about her like crafts or arts and crafts and because i was explaining the horror stuff and how horror is like you know a lot of people like horror movies but there are a lot a lot of niche genres and she was like i have found with the with the craft market like literally like like mom and pop craft bazaars right like church fundraisers she, this, this woman did that type of stuff she was saying she's like you find that person that goes absolutely like absolutely fucking insane for what you what you did she didn't say absolutely fucking insane she was like a <laughs> respectable woman but she was like you find that person that goes nuts for your thing and you always play to that that person right like you're like why like like when you find that person that really like loves whatever you do you sort of like go okay so like with with WLF, i realized like the sequel and some of the other stuff that we've sort of been developing that's tangentially involved with it that'll come down further down the pike. Um, I just found people really loved that movie. Plus it was the most fun I ever had making a movie. Like what happens next will scare you is more of a traditional narrative, but then it's like the anthology segments or, or um, uh, you know, um, more like the WNF type world. Um, but I just found making fake mythology around like a town or a city or like, a, a, you know, like a, a movie business that exists outside of our reality was a lot, a lot of fun while still keeping it in the idea of like, um, you know, like really weird um, stuff you may have forgotten about just through the, through the years or decades. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Okay, there again, I don't mean that in a bad way. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm self-conscious of well, my you should. I mean, look, to be fair, Chris, he did read 38 books last year, so his vocabulary <laughs> should be getting better. Thank so you. So I'm, I'm optimistic. 33, but I, I appreciate you. I rounded up. up. My, yeah, fluffed up my numbers. Yeah. Well, damn. Man, you know, I had to write it down to play to the, the ones that really love what you do. I think that's, important information and i feel seen because i, yeah. I really you know here's the thing we have a long history with wnuf we really like mm -hmm. that movie and at first i remember being hypercritical 
because at the time I really wanted to like forge ahead for found footage. And I'm like, this is a comedy and comedy is not going to get us looked at as being like a legitimate subgenre that should be taken seriously. And I I couldn't have been more wrong. I think comedy is the easiest way to get people on board. And then when they get hooked, you start looking back at it and you, I mean, God, found footage without a comedic relief is usually kind of dry and hard to pay attention to. But uh, somebody telling jokes is really easy to root for. So when they die, you're like instantly immersed. I don't know why I'm explaining that. But the thing is, you always were kind of playing with the anthology. And Mm -hmm. I love that mixed media anthology approach. And in what happens next will scare you. I thought, like, I just watched it. And I'm like, fuck, you did the thing we've been talking about forever. Because with found footage, there's something going on where uh, I get a lot of shit for talking about comic book movies, like negatively. Mm-hmm. But what it is, I have to tell people, like, you, you tend to watch, if you watch a lot of film, you, like, story gets a little uh, uh, phoned in. And you start to, you know, go to knock at the cabin and hope that there's a twist that's going to catch you off guard. Mm-hmm. And I think found footage and in-world camera cinema is a good answer to that. Because if you have like an overactive mind and you're sitting there, when you have a horror anthology that's all in-world camera, there's a lot of context that you can start puzzling together every time. Mm-hmm. Like, where did this footage come from? Like, what I loved about that, um, uh, what happens next will scare you, was the different media. Yeah. Like, dude, yeah, you know, yeah. When, when homie brings in a VCR... And there's a room because the other thing about anthology is that wraparound story gives you like a conversation on what you're just watching. Right. So when somebody does something like brings in a VCR and everybody makes fun of him, you kind of like if you have a heckler in your audience, you take that away from them and and they get to be on board with the movie. Well, I've always said that. I mean, years ago, and this is one of the benefits, I think, of us making low budget, like micro budget features versus like somebody that just spends their life making shorts and then eventually tries to get a feature on the ground. I learned very quickly making a feature film and playing it to an audience. I mean, I, I remember saying, I'm going to start writing for the heckler. Like, I'm going to, uh, like, what the heckler is doing, or like what somebody might say under their breath about a low-budget horror movie from a budget standpoint or a pacing thing, find a way for the audience, for the, basically have an audience surrogate within the film, either, like, by, like, through a moment or through a character. Um, have that, have that, have that allow the, the, you know, just to be, like, at least be on board with the audience like that, right? So, like, if a heckler is going to say, like, well, that looks fucking stupid, find a way to say that that isn't as self-aware in the moment, right? Like, I don't like breaking the fourth wall or anything like that, but, like, that very often is, is very important. I mean, that's, and that's the problem, too. I mean, like, low-budget horror movies, everyone wants to feel, every audience wants to feel smarter than the filmmaker. Um, in a lot of c- cases, they are, right? Um, but it's, like, it, there's a certain thing where some people watch low-budget horror movies too fear, feel superior. And I think that's like, that's, that's tricky sometimes. Damn. That's such a good point. I never thought about that. The, we, we watch a lot of movies in group settings. Like it's one of my favorite things to do. And the only type of person that really fucking annoys me is the one that will like tap you during a movie and be like, she's going to die right here. Like, like they're trying to, and it's like, dude, if you know good storytelling, you should know what's coming because if you're surprised, that's not a good way to like unroll a story. Yeah. Like that's why the whole Shyamalan twist thing is such a like double-edged blade. Mm. But what's funny is that in found footage, I don't hear that a lot. I don't hear people trying to predict it because there is like an ARG element where if you mm. do it in a way where the editing is actually like thought of in character or there's not a lot of context, 
you have time to sit there and try and figure out, like, where did this tape come from? Where do these people like there's stuff to be. Shyamalan's done a found footage. I know. And I thought it was really good. I did. Was that was that um, uh, visit? Visit. visit. I never saw that one. Yeah. Oh, dude, Um, check it out. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say what I I mean, like, I think like. I do think people want, I mean, I think good storytelling is a reversal, reversal of expectation, right? Like you don't want yeah. the thing that, that like, y- there's things that you want from a standpoint of like, like fulfilling you emotionally, right? Like you want a hero to succeed if you like that her- hero. But the problem is how do you constantly like, you know, have those ups and downs where you think that person won't get to the, c- the conclusion you want in the way you expect, right? Yeah. So I think that's like, um, I, th- I don't know. Yeah, I don't even know where I'm going with that. I'll just leave that there. <laughs> No, you're totally right. And there's an added problem if, okay, so if we're talking in-world camera, if you're doing a found footage horror film, mm-hmm. there's usually a caveat that everybody in this movie dies. So if you have a protagonist that you're rooting for, you know, you, you might be kind of in a corner. Yeah, and, yeah. And I, you, yeah, yeah. I, I think that really depends on like what, what, what format is like the WF movies, obviously not because it's on broadcast television. Right. But I think something like, um, like a Blair Witch Project or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. See, but I think WNUF wouldn't fall in found footage horror. Like if we're going to get really nerdy huh. and really dissect. The yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, I was, I was going to say like, I think it, we, what we did and not many people have done this as much as far as I know, but I'm not a huge found footage guy. Like I think it's not, it expands what it means to be found footage. Right. Like that's, that's yeah. what I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I would have to probably put it in like a mockumentary or like a faux doc kind of area. I think, I think that's fair, but it's, but it's, it is, I mean like, yeah, I guess, I guess sort of like a mockumentary cause it is, it is like a TV special, but I mean like even then like the sequel, it's a fucking like Ricky Lake style talk show and like a, like a sightings episode. So that's not, that's not really like a kind of a document. And it's like weird. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So have you ever seen butterfly kisses? It's satire. Pants. I have. Okay, I, I I I knew Eric very well. Yeah, Eric, yeah, dude. Uh, yeah. R.I.P. Eric, love him. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, Butterfly Kisses is the probably the best example of a found footage movie that will shut your annoying friend up, because they do the thing you talked about, where there's a lot of uh, dialogue within the movie about the genre, and yeah. one one of the things they bring up is like, how if the Blair Witch is real, do you get that shown in a theater? Like, there's a weird, yeah. like, there's an interesting thing that happened where you turn it into a marketable product where people are dying and they kind of like really dive into that. The thing that I think is interesting about WNUF is that, and even with, with your kind of, um, uh, I'm not going to stream this movie. Like a dude, how cool is that? Because you are kind of doing breaking the fourth wall where you're, I'm a jerk. (laughs) Honestly, I think there's value to it. I, uh, so my only fear about yeah, you I mean, not- my, my bank account is appreciated. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just, I mean, like, honestly, dude, I mean, like, in all sincerity, I do like fucking know who's bought copies. Like, I like that. Whereas if it was on a streaming service, I don't know. Like, I always know people have actually supported us if they've seen the movie, you know, man. Yeah. God, there's so much there yeah. because my fear of you not streaming is um, when people what we've learned from like the new cable, the new generation of cable, which is just a million streaming services is if it's not convenient to watch something, that's when people steal it. So, so I mean, I was going to say, I mean, I think there's a lot of people that saw the original WF um, on Shudder. Like, that was their introduction, right? And then, um, and I think I'm, I'm missing a ton. Of, I mean, Shudder has like a million some subscribers or something, right? But like, so like, I know I'm obviously the, you know, couple thousand units of this I've sold so far is nowhere near what Shudder had. Um, however, it's one of those situations where like, the people that make the effort 
to go buy a copy from us, directly from us. They get the package from Trader Tony's Tape Dungeon. There's an investment in that, right? Like, it's like when you were a kid and you were like, fuck, am I going to blow my allowance on like a VHS of people under the stairs? Or am I going to go eat pizza at the mall? Like, you know, you kind of have to make that decision. Like, how much do I fucking care about supporting weird little movies? And, 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 and the audience we're connecting with are people who care. You know, and like, honestly, like those folks, if they're that interested, they're not the folks who are going to give me bad reviews or be the heckler or be the fucking armchair asshole. Yeah, damn. There's something going on. There. <laughs> I also, I don't know, like, it's so funny. I always talk about like, this is like a business side of this because it's always like front of my mind because like we're like fulfilling orders now. But like, we can totally just talk about storytelling. I don't have to talk about that no, no. shit. <laughs> Here's the thing. No, because it's, it's interesting. I've, um... Oh man. So there's a uh, found footage magazine that's going to come out soon called uh, footage fiends. And they, I got interviewed for an article on online distribution. And by online, I don't mean like what you or like Ricky Umberger is doing the guy who made the fear footage, which mm -hmm. is like indie press through mail. I yeah. mean like Kings of horror. I mean like, like YouTube distribution where there's no yeah. physical media and it goes up for free. And there's, it's weird because I think a lot of found footage fans are scattered. And they're not really film fans, but they like they like the genre. So they don't look at like um, film festival lineups or they don't like necessarily yeah. maybe they don't own Shudder, yeah. but they'll watch Kings of Horror or V or all these kind of like YouTube content things. Yeah. So it's almost like you're such a film guy, like you're clearly like a very film forward motherfucker. Mm. And the two worlds, the Venn diagram just doesn't overlap. Like the yeah, I, mean, I, I think there's yeah, I think there's a whole ecosystem of, of film fans now that I just like I don't even know how to connect with. I mean, like, but also that's like what's tricky too. Like, I mean, like even to market these movies, you have to when you're self-distributing, you're marketing your own shit all the time, right? And it's like I can I, the sequel barely played any film festivals. We played Nightmare of Film Fest out in uh, Columbus, Ohio, and um, and mostly just because I didn't feel like playing film festivals. Like I think kind of think film festivals are a racket, depending. Um, oh, okay. But, but we do. Yeah. Hey, we can talk about that, dude. I will absolutely. Uh, it, it depends who, and it depends on what they're doing. I mean, we can yeah. get on the list. Um, but I was going to say, like, we did the tour to connect with people to sort of get regionally, like, you know, like, okay, let's go to Pittsburgh, let's go to New York, let's go to Jersey, let's go to Philly, and like, going there put us in a, in a like those theaters or venues allowed us to like sort of like um increase our footprint from just like oh oh you're gonna go see the wf sequel right but like the thing with like people who are like youtube fans and stuff i feel like there are certain social media folks that only stay on one platform like i'm only mm -hmm. a twitter guy or like i'm only yeah. a youtube guy and i've actually really never the irony is i'm a, you know I, I work in in moving pictures and it's like i'm not really that active socially on youtube like no. not at all you know but it, but that's a really good point i mean there's there's kids that probably like really are that's how they find stuff. I've always thought about like, I don't think I'm ever going to have the energy for TikTok, but I've always thought the WNUF movies, <laughs> all the commercials would be perfect for TikTok content, but I just haven't had the time to be like, let me go cut them all down and post them. And you know, well, here's the thing. Have you checked TikTok? Somebody might've already beat you to it. I mean, I mean the original, they absolutely have. Like I got a, I got a message from one of my gaffers a couple of years ago. He's like, dude, you know, somebody's put all these moments from WNUF on TikTok and they're like, they've gotten like, I mean, I don't fucking know what's impressive on TikTok, but like probably hundreds of thousands of views, things like that. Yeah. Um, and that's also the thing that makes, breaks my heart a little bit with YouTube. Like a lot of people are, let yeah, say careful I say this because I appreciate anyone talking about the movies, but there's a lot of people that use movies um, on YouTube just to do like a review or something. And yep. it's like they, um, it's like more people care about watching a review of a movie than they care about watching the movie, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. True. You know, like, I mean, for example, like you think something like uh, my buddy Jay at like Red Letter Media, right? Like, I mean, like no one's ever going to fucking watch uh, some of the movies he talks about, but they'll watch them talk about it. Right. And I think he's a good example because they're really thoughtful and smart. Um, but there's a lot of people that's just like, man, like it makes me sad that um, like uh, one of my friends was talking about their nephew who was like, oh, yeah, I watched that movie. But he was talking about watching a review of a movie. And it was like, that's fucking crazy to me, man. Like, there's a generation <laughs> coming up that think a 10 minute, you know, cut down of something is watching the movie. Chris, there's an industry created around people going to restaurants, taking pictures of their food and not eating it. <laughs> that, I didn't know that. You to take pictures. Yeah, dude. Like it just feel, it just fits into the influencer thing that we've mm -hmm. cultivated. Well, yeah. check, check this out. So I had the same exact feeling that you did. Now, um, Skinamarink has been touring, mm -hmm. and that's a whole conversation in its own. Like, I'd love to talk about that, but I, I tell you what now, I can't give you an intelligent response to it because I fell asleep <laughs> 30 minutes in. Okay, um, sure. And, like, don't get me wrong. I actually – actually, let me tell you how I felt about it, but I, oh, I want to watch do. the rest. Because Melissa watched the rest, and she was like, dude, it was really good. It kind of lulls you in. And then the last, like, like half hour or whatever, she was like, it actually got really fucking scary based off being invested that much into it. So the first five minutes, I was like – fuck yeah this is awesome like i'm stoked about this like i really was super new it reminds me of all the weird like art movies i made when i was in high school and college and i was like this is fucking awesome and then i was like all right i really need something i really need something else to happen here because i'm kind of getting like it's just it's like it's also just kind of hurting my eyes after a while um <laughs> and then i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna lay down while i watch this and then i was and then you know it was time to go to actually get into bed so <laughs> Like you said, it's like you surmised it perfectly. Like the shit I used to watch in college. Yeah. There you go. Like my tastes have evolved. I need something a little bit more than me being stuck in my thoughts for 90 minutes <laughs> when I'm stuck in my thoughts for all the surrounding time outside of the time I'm watching a goddamn movie. Now, but what, what I'll say to that point, though, and, and, and I hear what you're saying. I mean, like I can get behind a movie that is just vibes, right? Like I don't need plot. And I think a lot of times people sure. confuse storytelling and plotting, right? Um, Agreed. Um, and I, I thought there was a lot of storytelling in Skin of Marink, and I didn't see the whole thing, so I can't really talk t intelligently because I, I might have been like, dude, it's the best movie I fucking saw if I saw the rest of it. Um, <laughs> but like, but what I'll say is I think there needs to be a conversation like more broadly, specifically in horror, like it, what we were just talking about, like what is WNF a found footage movie? It's like, I mean, what is a horror movie, but what is, what is a movie now, right? Like, I mean, I went to a, a high school that had this massive, like, experimental video side of it, right? And um, it, was, it was interesting to me because, like, you know, in, in five, ten-minute chunks, or if you're going through an art gallery and watching, you know, like, little experimental films, that's fine for an art gallery. But sitting through 90 minutes of an experimental movie is a lot really difficult for some oh, folks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, like, I know if I caught that on the right night and if I wanted it that bad, like I think I'd love that movie a lot more. I was sort of like, you know, it's been a long week. I probably shouldn't have drank as much as I did when I watched the movie and I passed out, you know, it's like, yeah, like, that's sort of where I was at. Uh, but I mean, that being said, I mean, dude, what if Skidamarink was like on every TV monitor as you walk through a haunted house? Like I would fucking love that experience. And I think that's the thing that I've always yeah, but Is that a movie? <laughs> I, so here, what, what, what you just said is a really good point. An early review of WNUF said WNUF is not so much a movie as it is an experience. And at that time, um, I've talked about this a couple of times now, but like at, at that time I was like, fuck yeah, I don't want to make movies. I want to make experiences like, cause that's really unique and interesting and you can do a lot of different things there. But I guess my question is who cares if it's a movie? 
that's sure. what I might, you know, you know. Sure. Look, if I, you enjoy I always, it. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I will always have that that uh, misanthropic approach. Uh, <laughs> I I appreciate. Um, I appreciate that Skin and Marink exist. Yeah. Uh, do I want to be a part of it? No. <laughs> but I appreciate that it is ushering this uh, ASMR horror bullshit that I don't care anything about. But that's fine. I'm glad ASMR horror, though. I'm I like that. People, <laughs> I'm trying to get it around, Chris. If you could spread that, get that hashtag out there, I appreciate it. But I just, uh, I'm glad it exa- I'm glad people are talking about it. I'm glad that this has exploded into mm-hmm. like a very, very minor version of, of Blair Witch, which I just don't think is ever going to happen again. But yeah. it's crazy that everyone's talking about this without even knowing what it was. Yeah. But it's still kind of, uh, it's still kind of, it didn't just like, hey, this is a thing. And then it died. It's still hanging around. People still talking. I want to ask two things you just said. One, um, well, first of all, one comment, then I'm going to pivot to a question. So don't let me forget the question. Um, Okay. First comment is the idea of it, like getting champion. I mean, ultimately, I think that's one of the things that's more interesting in right now. Like, because it's on Shutter, that's why everybody's talking about it, right? Like, if that was released, self released, no one would even know about that. I don't think that movie would catch on in the same way. It might be, you know, years from now, might be something like somebody talks about, like, like Tales from Gimli Hospital. Or like something like that, or some sort of weirdo art movie that people oh that was interesting. I saw that at a festival once. Um, but what I'll say is like Shutter are the tastemakers, right? Or even like the Screenbox folks, like that when they talk about a movie, you know, Terrifier Two is is talked about all fall because you know it's they're in bed with Play Disgusting and and they can c- c- control that mouthpiece. Um, and I think that's what's interesting with a movie like Skin Marink. It becomes the conversation piece based off the distribution, right? So yeah. I think um, that's something that I always struggle with. Like, um, I don't know when everyone's like, I think this is, um, I don't know what's the term, but like, you know, like everyone's like, I'm glad this movie exists, but it's like, it's because we kind of have to be forced to talk about it based off. Those are the, you know, that's the shutters, the big man on campus, you know? So like, we kind of have to all, or, or even terrifier, like screen boxes, like uh, bloody disgusting is like the only horror news site. That's really mad that massive. Now it's like, we all kind of have to talk about it and give our opinions because you know, we, that's the only thing that's being marketed to us for the week it's out, which is kind of frustrating. Um, here's a question for you. You said you don't think the Blair Witch Project could ever happen again. What do you mean by that? In Just in terms of scale, in terms of numbers, and, you know, okay. it, it, like theatrically, that's yeah. never going to happen again. But um, I think virally, you know, uh, I think a lot of people ripped it illegally. Um, yeah. A lot of people saw this thing outside of the, you know, the the traditional way, but also it made a lot of money in the theaters as well. Uh, but again, yeah. the scale's different. Uh, the, the measurements yeah. are different. I think that the excitement is uh, certainly at that level of something, you know, uh, what they cost $15,000 and in the theater, it's made over a million and a half or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's a pretty good return on investment. Skinnering? Yeah. It costs 15000 Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. I was um I was gonna say though, but it's interesting when you say like the, the the realm has changed. Like like uh Blair Witch, for example, I'd like for example, like something like even like um think about like a property touching somebody, like that new back rooms, like that whole like that yeah. like that like was that creepypasta or whatever. Um that more people or probably just as many people have probably read that mythology or that online stuff, um, as probably actually saw Blair Witch, right? But less people have the name recognition of that. Blair Witch because now everything we consume is so fucking like we're in we're in tunnel vision right we get our our social media feeds monitor I mean our social media feeds um we're sort of like we we're eating our own bullshit all the time we're being marketed things that that social media algorithms already know we like 
So I think that's what's wild. We've lost a lot of that um, since the, since like the, the early 2000s. Yeah. And in fact, if I made a WNF3, I think it would be the start of, of that happening. Like media being very specific, specialized to our own tastes. Yeah. Dude, uh, perfect comparison. I think Backrooms would be the Blair Witch of like the yeah. internet. Era. And it's, and it's going to be. I mean, they just got licensed to be make a movie of it. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it, it even I mean, comparatively, kind of, you know, yeah. Well, also, it's an Orson Welles situation. Kid's 17. Yeah, He's going to be doing it during summer school. Yeah, yeah. I hey, look forward so, to seeing him in his, in his wine commercials 20 years from now. <laughs> so, you know, Chris, um, we showed the back rooms at um, a five. He's like, fat as shit. It, so I think we got in there kind of early and um, he submitted, but yeah. no communication with him. Like we didn't get any conversation. I know this is a little behind the curtains here, yeah. but we didn't really talk to him at all. And then when we showed it, we're like, okay, well, it crushed. Like the audience reviews were like, they're the best I've ever seen. So for me, I was like, okay, so I guess the internet popularity does have some weight because even in the theater, it fucking smashed. Oh. So then it won an award and we're like, I guess we'll tell him like he got, you know, audience choice for short. And uh, he responded, he said, awesome, thanks. And it's the only communication we had with him. But it's weird because I always thought until then that the internet and a theater crowd never overlapped. And I thought Skinamarink, you know, would be kind of proof of that. But I really, I, I think it's all about the type of thing we're watching and how we experience it. I think Skinamarink is like Gen Z horror. Which, you know, I only give it that because the context is, what am I watching? Mm-hmm. Like, we're so, we've had a hundred years of movies, so we know what a movie is. Yeah. But what the fuck is this? And I think the proper way to watch Skinamarink would be after a creepypasta, like, deep dive in a forum. You end up on a link, and you click it, and before you know it, you've watched an hour and 40 minutes of something. You have no idea what it is. Yeah. And then you turn around and you just go on the internet and you're like, what the fuck did I just watch? Well, and what's interesting with that is, I mean, you talk about the future of found footage um, or, or whatever you want to call it. I mean, like, I didn't know what you'd call that bro- more broadly because, like, Bram Stoker's Dracula is a fucking bo- book written of, from letters, right? Like, yep. that's theoretically yep. through found footage, you know? So, like, um, but what, what I would say there is, like, because our experience online is almost getting to the point where some tr- quote unquote truth is subjective, right? Um, which yeah. is not the truth not the truth, but like, you know, it's opinions being filtered, filtered as, as, as journalism or all that stuff. Um, what I'll say there is I do believe you could truly make a terrifying war of the worlds, like Orson Welles war of the worlds or a Blair witch, because if you did it in a way, and I don't know who would do this. And it's actually very dangerous theoretically, but like, you know, you could make something that's Google proof because, uh, you know, Google only pulls, pulls up, big websites now like you know like yeah. or it's hard to actually find that stuff so it, it is very i think it's very possible to make a movie that could fool audiences into thinking it's truly real um now more than any other time like i think now more than in 2005 or or you know 1971 like it's i think it's i think that's kind of wild to me because it's so hard to even google the correct stuff sometimes and you know, two years later, Chris La Martina Chris, it's funny because in the beginning of our conversation, I, I talked about this terrible metaphor that I was calling the tightrope where you want to be like fake, but also real. And it's when you're talking about making a film that is like Google proof. 
that hasn't worked out for people in the past. No, like, absolutely um, not. So yeah. we, I've, we do a, a segment called the TBR Report where our uh, filmmaker buddy, Thomas Burke, will recommend in-world camera movies, like found footage to me, and I watch them. He recommended a faux doc that was played as a real documentary made by Peter Jackson. About oh, Forgotten the, Silver? You see, you know it. Yeah, yeah, he, it's great. Yeah. I ordered the DVD um, from New Zealand. Because on there, they did a bonus feature about the backlash of that movie. Because people, dude, so he made it as kind of like a fun party-like movie for New Zealand. And it's like, yeah. hey, I've created a fictional character who's invented pretty much everything. From planes to film. Yeah. And, but the part he left out was that I've invented. Yeah. So the audiences watched it and loved it and reviewed it. And then it came out that, oh, this guy's not real. And they yeah. fucking turned on him. So yeah. that little short, which I think we put up on YouTube in a in a private link or something, they they have somebody reading letters of people just saying like, "What the fuck's wrong with you? How yeah. dare you make this movie?" Yeah, yeah. And and I think people just end up feeling betrayed by that. So it's really you're playing with fire at that point. Yeah. And, and, no, and, and I think if if somebody were to do that now, I mean, I think you really have to like divorce yourself from your ego completely like it probably couldn't have your name on it right like it probably oh, yeah. you might not even be able to use i mean i'm I, now i'm thinking through how i would do it so maybe i won't say <laughs> how I would do it um but like but like there's certain things where like you'd, you'd really have to decide like okay well how do people know something is fake oh because they recognize actors or how do how come yeah. people, like how do people like know something like it because it got reviews because it was submitted to a festival by someone you know so like there's a paper trail that exists so i do think there's ways to work around that i mean i mean shit dude we're probably you know we were talking about AI before you guys started recording and it's like, who knows? Maybe AI can make a found footage movie. That would be like totally believable. Cause I don't even know. Yeah. That's well, scary. It's, it's funny. <laughs> you're talking about Google proof. Did you hear that Google's panicking? Because apparently Bing is working on an AI in like, they're, they're trying to pair with a uh, chat GBT to make a like search engine that is powered by AI to actually reinforce your searches and help. So Google's actually worried that they're not going to have a future. Like, even though the word for looking up something on the internet is Google, yeah. they'll find a way to steal it. The yeah, problem... I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they are developing Welcome to thing. tech, baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> are you yeah. guys in that industry or no? What's your... Uh... <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, no, I ship, uh, oh my God, rustic uh, <laughs> kitchenware to the 1%. Nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm dude. We we carry. I'm not gonna put the brand out there, but we carry luxury like, home goods. You're in that service. No, it's it's rustic because they're really going for a vibe. It's luxury. Um, it's like we we have glasses that are very thin, and they come pre-cracked. So we have them on the shelf labeled A to D on the type of crack that is in the glass. That's so. That's like like when you like people buy jeans with holes in them already. Oh yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, you know, that's like jeans. the rich people equivalent of, of distressed jeans. I feel like you can make an argument that jeans still cover your junk and will keep you warm, even with like holes in the knees. Where yeah. the one the one purpose of a glass is to hold liquid that you wouldn't want to do with the crack in it. I think I, that's yeah. not what you don't understand luxury, right? <laughs> I did you tell I them like, to, cover, uh, cover your junk and keep you warm? I, like if I was selling jeans, that's what I would put on the sign over my fucking clothes rack. All right. Well, when you need a commercial for WNUF three, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> What's the number one purpose of jeans? They cover your junk. Yeah. And they keep you warm. Second part. They keep you warm. 
We done. What's lunch? God. You know, okay. So to bring it back to uh, the skin marink, I brought that up yeah. because skin of a stink. I have <laughs> hot take. <laughs> my, my younger sister, um, her, her boyfriend is super into like all these fringe horror movies. Mm-hmm. The thing is, he doesn't watch them. And he was talking to me about Skinnerink, and I'm like, dude, did you did you like torrent it? Like, how how'd you see it? Because it wasn't out in theaters yet. Yeah. And he's like, oh no, I've I've just watched YouTube videos. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god, it it it's like fingers in my eyeballs. Is, is he a TikToker? He doesn't do TikTok, okay. but he's a big like um who's reels. The, who's the guy he loves? Uh, uh Crystalia. Wendigoon. 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 Now, if if there's Gen Z people out there, yeah. See, we're like, who's Wendigoon? Go on YouTube and you'll be like, oh, he has 15 million views on this ARG he dug up on Blogger. Of course. <laughs> no, but here's the thing. I'm like, dude, you realize you could watch the movie and it's an hour and 40, probably a little bit too long. But I mean, for what they're going for, it okay, you can make an argument. But yeah, you've probably watched three hours of people talking but about it's, it. But see, that's the thing. It's like not even about the movie anymore. <laughs> it's like it was what Chris was talking about earlier. I know, but so why? And I think... Um, the fact that like theaters are, I don't even want to say it, but like, you know, going away, they're not as popular anymore. Yeah. yeah. I think movies like that require a friend to talk to about it. Oh yeah. And I, I think like new generations, they just, that community's not there. So, yeah. you know, you watch a skin of Marinka, what do you do? Well, I think the other, the, yeah, I mean, the other thing too is like, I mean, dude, there's a lot of fucking content that exists now too. Like I always kind of feel left out when like everyone in my office is talking about Last of Us and I'm like, I don't want to watch that. But I mean, I guess that's what everyone's <laughs> talking about today. Like, or even like, I, like, I, you know, like, um, we, we started White Lotus, we haven't gotten too far into it, but like, I'm like, oh man, everyone's like, but it's like, I think that's something like Skinner Rink. It's like some people probably feel like, um, like, oh my God, just to be able to talk about this thing that everyone's talking about, I need to watch that. And maybe they don't have time for that. So they just watch a 10 minute recap. So I'm trying to like understand the psychology of why somebody would think they watched it when they didn't. Um, but I guess it's really just to be media literate in a time where there's so much fucking media that you don't have time to do it. Like that's actually, that's actually really sad to yeah. me too, that there's so much stuff that exists that we're just like, I guess I'll watch the five minute cut down, you know? <laughs> I mean like, like actually, okay, I'll, I'll be guilty of something. I remember we were like, um, God, this is, this is the one time this actually, I, this is a good comparison and I'm realizing I'm understanding other human beings a little bit. Um, uh, we wanted to watch. We were like, let's watch this fucking end game. And I was like, but I haven't seen any of the Marvel movies. So oh like, like, I mean, like I've seen like maybe like I've like I've seen like a couple of the Iron Man movies and a couple and the Guardians of the Galaxy movies because I love James Gunn. But like we ended up watching this like 20 minute before you see end game, like and explain oh, everything no. while the guy is talking as fast as humanly fucking possible. But generally I was like, OK, like now I feel like I can get enough of Endgame to like be like okay this makes sense but i guess that's what it's like for for folks that just like don't have the time to you know even watch a, a 90 minute skin rink i mean look that on one level i can understand that people yeah. got shit to do and if yeah. we can if we can expedite some shit people are just some people's brains that's just how they work the 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 other side of that that drives us a little bit more crazy is the summation videos of Midsomar explained. Yeah. Explaining yeah. the enigma. Yes. That's, yeah. yeah, that's the beautiful yeah. term. I Further believe. exposition that you did not receive in the film. It's like in Midsomar, she has a painting of a bear because in New York, the director met blah, 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 who does bear urban art. This urban art shows up and is a major theme. <laughs> and you're like, dude, this isn't even a conversation. You're just, you're like trying to reveal the grid beneath the film or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing, there's no value to it. And it's so authoritative and it's got such a like firm period at the end. 
that it kills the conversation. So you're like, you don't want to turn around to your friend and be like, oh, I heard this interesting theory. It's like your answer would be, I know what it's about. Yeah, let's let's talk about something different. But also, you know, with Endgame, now I had a similar thing where I tried to marathon all the movies before, which I know it's a nightmare. This is a gross conversation. But here's the thing. (laughs) I think it's interesting because traditional storytelling is also pivoted too, where there's been a hundred years of film and we know what's going to happen. The good guys are probably going to win. But that movie, and when I was in the audience and I was surrounded by crying people, I was like, weird. Everybody's invested in who's not coming back. Because they did this weird tug of war of like, I'm going to die. No, I'm going to die. I think it was Black Widow and Hawkeye. Uh And literally the characters were on screen fighting for who was going to be able to sacrifice themselves. But I knew as an audience member, what's really happening is one of them is not going to be back for the next 24 movies. Uh So so that's where we're invested is the IP and the contracts. And I I just thought it was so ugly. (laughs) I'm like, this interesting, is interesting you say that, though. You're thinking about it like someone who's consuming the art there, but also understanding that art is influenced by the economics behind it. Yeah. And I think that's something that I really liked exploring with, especially with the WF sequel, where, or in the original, where I'm like, oh man, who's like, you know, who is this commercial? Who's funding this commercial, right? Phil's Carpet Warehouse probably doesn't have the same production value as the, as the, ad for super duper water shooter or like you know like who's the editor behind this spot right is it like someone who's angry at being in this at this tv station or something because i (laughs) because i do really think that level of like your hyper awareness of of business is like is affecting um like it like it's literally affecting like how you see a plot beat occurring like you're like you're like oh i know that won't happen because of 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 the money behind it or or you know yeah but I, I've always liked leaning into that stuff in my own storytelling because it's like, an, it's like it's like world building in a, in a much different way. Like that's where the exactly. authentic, yep. authenticity comes from. Yeah. Well, you know, when you're marketing, like, so your in-world camera films are like regional, recorded off a TV, mm-hmm. lost broadcast, which are a huge thing on the internet. Mm-hmm. Like those are real. Like, yeah. Oh, when them. this radio show went down, and like people do big videos on that. Yeah. So. The beautiful thing about your local commercials is you really do paint a picture of the town. Mm-hmm. Like these are the people who are consuming this right now. And if you do some like a uh, rust belt, uh, fearing God kind of vibe, then when you go into a paranormal territory, you're like, Oh, these people were probably eating this up. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, the like ghost watch, like they're probably calling nine one one right now saying my yeah. microwave <laughs> going crazy. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I really like the architecture of your films and i thought you know with your new one you did the right step which was i'm buying this tape directly from chris la martina who's <laughs> helping this guy make his money back so he can get out of jail yeah yeah so oh. I'm, I'm curious did anybody ever come and ask like well i guess you're the only one producing it because i in my mind i imagine what it would be like if you're getting investors and they're like Chris, what the fuck is all this story that has nothing to do with the movie? Well, so that's the reason why we've never done any WNF movies with anyone else, right? Like, um, or like when people come to me, a couple times, I pitched something to found footage, uh, found footage property that maybe I'll make one day, maybe I won't. It's a little serious for what I do. Um, but to somebody, and I had this whole plan, like for the distribution strategy, like literally I need to finish the movie and then have a year of setting Easter eggs out, like without having the movie out. And like I had this whole idea, but then I realized like, oh, most people that um, release hundred grand movies or these little movies that aren't like massive marketing, even the people with massive marketing campaigns, they never take the time to do that type of world building because it's not in their business model, right? 
And I think yeah. what people appreciate with the WNF movies is if it is smaller, you can do things like you're essentially doing the air, the, the, you're essentially doing the movie equivalent of like a bed and breakfast, right? Like you're making someone have a special experience um, and making it feel quaint and like, you know, like really like small and intimate. Um, and a lot of movies can't do that, especially, I mean, the, the thing I'm, I, I feel like I'm a broken record about this, but like movies that are made for like a couple hundred thousand dollars, it's, it's like flipping houses, right? Like you're trying to make a movie and, 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 and sell it to somebody very quickly to, 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 to maximize profit. And I think from a standpoint of, um, uh, you know, that you just can't take the time like you might, it's a lot easier to make the 10 grand movie than it is to make the, the hundred grand movie or the, or the half million movie. Dude, I like yeah. that. It's like flipping houses. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, that's like, it, it really is like, I mean, it makes oh. me sad a little bit, but it's, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it's okay to have a grown up viewpoint on. I know. I know. And, and, Some people know. think I'm just like a, a negative Nelly and I'm like, no, dude, I'm still making movies. It's just like, yeah. it's, 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 it's a lot fucking harder every year. <laughs> it's, it's, of it. it's part of it. You just yeah, need exactly. like a young intern who's yeah. really tapped in to I like. Don't think the, a lot of kids don't want to make movies now though. They want to. Make no, no, no. No, you don't give them a camera. They don't know what the fuck they're doing unless it's built into their phone. No, so what you need is a young intern who just has their tendrils in the internet. And they know, like, the right kind of, like, Wendigoon who isn't a dick (laughs) and who understands the ARG elements. Because, dude, I think you... Man, again, I have to commend you for not doing the streaming. I hadn't considered that, but it really makes... Like, people who should be celebrating your movie are people who are still buying physical media. And yeah. I, I think the only reason they're not is because they don't know about it. Yeah. Because I think well, yeah. your, your channels are more traditional in film, but these are yeah. people who probably have never read bloody disgusting or dread central. These are people so who, they, just, you know, they just watch Wendigoon and he's like, Hey guys, skin What's up with that? Yeah. And they're like, Oh, interesting. And maybe yeah. they'll buy like a shirt or something, but they, they, they might not watch the movie. Um, can I ask Chris a, a quick, we were talking about the commercials. Um, I, it, this is a very uh, boring logistical operational based question, but so Chris, how many, how many, how many commercials did you have in WNUF2? I would have to, okay, so it's a two minute commercial break, basically every, I think there's, I think there's three or four commercial breaks in Ivy Sparks. And then there's like six or seven in uh, out there, out there specials. So uh, let's say like, I want to say like about, so what's 10 times. So like about 20 minutes of commercials to 22 minutes of commercials made it probably 20 minutes commercials ish. But then I did more that uh, didn't um, make it in the movie. I made more than I, than I needed. And so then, you, did yeah. you film those uh, before principal photography? Mostly, mostly. Okay. And then, so, so which was pretty fucking stupid in the context of um, COVID. Because those would have been the easiest things to do during COVID. But I did them first as sort of like, I actually feel like to get an era right, to get like a, trip, a total time period right, the commercials are easiest to do, right? So I used them as my soft launch and to figure out what I wanted to do with the 90s, 1994, and 1996. Yeah. And um, I really, because like, like, the Ivy Sparks show is 94 and then out there is 96. But like some people don't realize that, with, like that the movie is caught together from two different years. Um, but that being said, like, I did them first to get that in that mindset of like, okay, let's think about like all the things that feel quintessentially nineties to me and like what needs to set the scene. So I did that all basically from like 2018, 2019. And then we started making the movie stuff in 2020, but like, you know, we were supposed to have, we were supposed to shoot all the Ivy spark stuff 
uh, like all the um, like the, the the Halloween extras and their costumes. That was supposed to be Easter weekend, twenty twenty, and when COVID hit, it just we, our calendar was out the fucking window. Like we ended up having to, I I shot so much of the movie where I was the only crew. Like it was fucking crazy. Like actors would show up and hit their mark under like a mic I set up. Like we'd leave their costumes on the porch. Like it was crazy because all all the interview stuff we could still do, but like anything with people yeah. interacting with each other had to wait till people were vaccinated. Um, which made the movie take way longer. But the irony of that is it was awesome that the movie took longer because one, it allowed me time time to write the Trader Tony Tape Dungeon catalog. Like that was my lockdown project. I used to write 20 fake movie blurbs a day during during like those first two months of, of lockdown or the first two months of COVID. And then, um, but then also I had more time to do the commercials. Like I had written all the commercials that I was going to make and I made a, made a bunch, but then I was starting to think like, I don't know, man, I kind of feel like I should have a commercial about a dance craze or like, I don't know. I kind of feel like I should have like a life insurance commercial. So I spent more time adding more in. Um, um, but yeah, it was, and it's so funny. I, I just think about this. Have we even talked about what the sequel is? We've been talked about, like, I like, I don't know if you guys are doing a, a pre, like somebody might be listening to this. Like, who is this fucking asshole? We don't know this guy. Um, no, no, no. Okay. We, okay. we write that all up in the show description. Okay. Also, okay. we set you up all pretty. Also, all we, right. um, we covered the hell out of the movie because no, we, I know in the past. Yeah. 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 yeah we, we were yeah. really taken by it. Um, and you know, it framing, this is like a lockdown project. I wonder, did that help? Because here, let me yeah. let me give you a compliment really quick. You fucking nailed the aesthetic. And, Thanks. you know, I love WNUF, the original Halloween special. But, dude, it's got nothing on your sequel. Like, <laughs> like, here, let me paint a picture. During lockdown, I was home a lot. And what I would do, my daily routine would be, I would throw on YouTube as background. Yeah. And yeah. I would, like, clean the house. Yeah. And what I, what I started doing a lot was long-form videos. So I'm not constantly engaging with YouTube. And uh, we found Rinse Repeat. Do you know that channel? I don't think so, no. Rinse Repeat is like, it's uh, you. It's Chris LaMartina. It's four hours of uh, Fox morning Saturday. Commercials included, and it's all the cartoons. But they'll do like special ones where it's like um, ABC Kids Halloween Saturday. And it's all the Halloween, but it's all the commercials. So I was very, very in tune with the 90s era Nickelodeon. And then we throw on your tape. And I'm like, I wonder if that's going to hurt it. Like, I wonder if I'm going to be like, dude, yeah. this is what it was like. You fucking nailed it, dude. <laughs> Thanks, man. I mean, and that's the other thing that's interesting about this one. I researched this one a lot longer than I did with the original WF. Like, the original WF was script to screen in nine months. So I really, like, had to get it done. Um, this one was basically, like, three to four years. Really, I guess closer to four years. Um, but I spent the first year thinking about what I want to do with the movie. Like, really thinking about, like what was my media experience in the nineties and like, you know, coming home after school and watching talk shows right after cartoons. Cause they totally came on right after, um, you know, Jerry Springer came on right after power Rangers ended where, where I was. Yep. Um, and then like, but honestly the scariest shows for me growing up was sightings. Like I'll never forget an episode of sightings. Um, when I was, um, when I was, I guess I was in like, I guess I was, I don't even know if I was in double digits at that point about the 2012 prophecies, how the, how the Mayan calendar ends in 2012. Yep. And I remember sightings doing that episode and I literally being like, holy fuck, like doing the math in my head, like, okay, I guess I'll be, I'll be in my twenties when that happens. Well, if the world ends, I guess my life will be an okay. I probably will have sex by that point. Like, you know, like, like all those things where I was like thinking about like, like, like really thinking like, like sightings was fucking scary. Um, like all the, like even the, like the ghost episodes, the alien episodes and unsolved mysteries. And that's what I was trying to encapsulate with, with that one. But it's, I really appreciate that, man. I mean, like, I'm really proud of the sequel. And I think there's a lot of people that, that won't like it or want it to be more of a traditional horror movie because it's not really a horror movie, right? Like, it's weird, but it's not yeah. a horror movie. It's a Halloween movie, but it's not even a horror movie. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know. But it, you, you, got, you got gray aliens. 
That's, that's true. Thing. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, in-world camera is the umbrella term that we use for anything where the, the characters in the movie are the ones responsible for the film. Like, okay. so, you know, mockumentary, like Spinal Tap is an in-world sure, camera movie. Sure, 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 and, yeah. And it's the way that we marry the Blair Witch in Spinal Tap. Yeah. And I think your films are very true to that form. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, they don't necessarily have to be horror, but you have yeah. horrific elements in there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, like, you know, I mean, like fucking, you know, Frankenstein makes a light beer. There's fucking werewolf potato <laughs> chips. There's all kinds of there's there's mini monsters in a, a miniature golf course. There's all kinds of monsters. But I think when you think about it, like like WNUF feels very much like a, it's a haunted house movie because it is a haunted house. Right. Um, even if, it, even if it, you know, without any spoilers, but like it, it's um it's one of those things where that really does feel like quintessential horror tropes, right? Whereas this one, I had already established that, okay, we're going to make a fake broadcast and like have commercials and make it feel real or authentic. But because I didn't need to do that song and dance again as as the intro point, I was like, okay, now I'm going to um, really find what other weird things I could do. And it doesn't... Also, the other thing too is like, WNF's a little different because ultimately, you know... You're essentially watching, okay, spoilers. So if anyone hasn't seen WNF, I'm going to say spoilers. Um, uh, you're watching, really what you're doing, because the movie fast forwards, so it's not actually a true tape, right? Like yeah. it's someone is doing that. And then um, and then obviously you're when, with the last little bit of Frank getting his tongue pulled out, it's like, oh, you're kind of watching Harvest tape. You're watching with Harvest because that obviously the him getting his tongue ripped off wouldn't be broadcast, right? That's the tape itself. So with the sequel, I wanted to fight against that and be like, I want to make a movie that truly, like, there's no fast forwarding. The most, I think the most phony thing about the sequel, the most funny thing about the sequel is that, um, uh, that no commercials repeat. Like anyone who watches, watch TV in the nineties knows in the course of a half an hour, you're going to see the same commercial, like, like three times, you know? Yeah. And yeah. that, and even working in, in media and like at ad agencies, we knew, like, I mean, we would buy, um, I used to do car commercials and, um, you know, you'd see you you sometimes you'd pay a premium to have the first commercial and the last commercial of a commercial break of your same spot because you hope you know like that like somebody at least is waiting for the show to come back on so you'll yeah. at least see one. So, yeah, dude, so interesting. Now, yeah. when we first watched WNUF, I was in my very like serious mode, and I remember the one thing that I did not like was that fast forward. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I never recontextualize it. You're right. We're clearly watching a version that somebody who worked on the production is like leaking now because yeah. they're, you know, it's uncut footage. Well, it's I, sort of like you're, you're, you're in the room phantomly. That's like, I mean, like, I mean, I have tapes that I was a kid when I was bouncing VCRs back and forth where I'd fast forward because I wanted to get through commercials and yeah. like I was dubbing a tape or something. Um, but it's not very common. Yeah. No, but here's the thing. It's funny because you're, you're like, well, in the sequel, there's no repeated commercials. But in the sequel, you've already answered that with the context because it's a mega tape. So I would yeah, just assume yeah. that they were cut out. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> but also um, because all the commercials are good, that's the thing that wouldn't happen in the original because you're like, clearly <laughs> there'd be some boring commercials here. Yeah, right, and right. Yeah. It's like, no, no, this dude's curated them. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Although there's still two minute breaks. So yeah. Although I guess, you know, maybe, maybe he could cut, he could just make, that's interesting. Huh. Didn't think about it like that. I, sh- See, I should but- say that was, I should say that was my intention. Now, here's the thing. Normally, it would be weird to kind of like lean into a movie this heavy, but I think in-world camera it justifies that. And then if you watch this movie cold and you're like, what the fuck did I just watch? All the context you put in here, because you put a little insert with the backstory to the DVD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And man, I just have to tell you how happy that made me. And now when you were talking about the, um, the catalog, I had to look it up. And I see that you're offering a $100 
Yeah, but I'll, I'll send you guys a couple of them. Don't worry about that. But like, well, um, yeah. I, I think, honestly, I need to get some DVDs from you. And at um, <laughs> the next Us that we're doing, which is at the end of March, um, I, I'm just going to put them out there. Maybe we'll just give them out. People need to watch this fucking movie. And I think it's just exposure. So I got to buy some copies off of you. But you better sign them for me. Yeah, 100%. Just, just put in the special instructions. But yeah, because I was going to say, I'm, I'm saying you guys don't have the catalog. I will send you guys um, uh, to, to the Bay Area, and then I'll send one to you, Randy. Um, but uh, I was going to say, uh, dude, like, wait, what were we talking about before this? Because I was going to start saying something, and I totally forgot what I was going to say. Ah, uh, whatever. Uh, this is my problem. It's like my, my attention deficit kicks in. <laughs> yeah, you know, I feel you. Birds of a feather, baby. <laughs> something though, we're like hyper focused on it. Oh, for sure. That's like I'm obsessive. I mean, that's what, that's how we can make movies, right? Like, I, I like, I got my my uh, dominoes that I have to get going, and then. All well, right, Chris. I think I think that's what makes your movies your movies, man. Is Thanks, dude. is your thoughtful approach to everything of like you know it's you've got all these multi layers, and that's why I wanted to you know know about the commercials because that was a huge undertaking because you nail that. You have to marriage that into, you know, the motif of everything else happening there. But everything has to work perfectly. It does, but you've got all these elements there because you're you're just pulling the strings and <laughs> pulling the strings. Yeah. <laughs> but if you don't have that, you know, um, interest in so many different things, then you know it's not gonna be as orchestrated and it's not gonna be as cohesive as it is. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So is what happens next will scare you. Is that available streaming or is that? A no, it's not. Movie? So that one, um, I, I, we just have been waiting to do that. We'll probably put that on like Tubi or something eventually. Um, we did get hit up by a couple of people that wanted to put it on their streaming services. Um, but we'll, I don't, I'm not really sure to be honest. Like I'm wondering if I'd make more money releasing it on Tubi ourselves and, and sort of being the, the vendor versus going through a streaming service. Um, I shut it, I sent it to shutter. They didn't I like, I don't even know if anyone even watched it over there and I, I have a good relationship with those guys, but they're just, they're busy. <laughs> hey, um, um Shutter yeah. is very found footage forward. I know so that's what, that's I what, but, but also the yeah. wraparound segments and what happens next aren't as high gloss as some of the stuff that's on Shutter. So I'm assuming that might it might be a budgetary thing. Like if it was straight sound footage from the start to get start and this you know beginning to end, then maybe I don't know. Uh, but no, you know, but what, what happens next is available at the the WNF Big Cartel site as well. If anyone wants to watch a copy, it's where, all, where we self distributed that one. So hell yeah, dude, man, I hope you're making money off of it. I love your work, and I hope you're not getting burned by doing the in world camera stuff. No, no, no. I really like it. I mean, like, we're like, it's funny. I like how you call it in-world camera, camera. So we have a movie that we're shooting next month that um, really Melissa, my wife, is, is directing, but it's, it's, it's a mockumentary. And um, we got a little bit of money to make that one. It's not self-funded. And um, so that'll be the next thing. But I, I don't know if I'm allowed to give titles or anything yet because I don't think it hasn't been announced. All right. well, um, don't get in but, trouble. I mean, I can talk to you guys after the, the okay. podcast. Um, but then um, I was going to say, and then I've got a couple other things that like I'm, I'm, I'm planning to do. I mean, like, the dream is to bring Trader Tony back um, for something, um, and I've been developing that for a while. Um, like Trader Tony as an on, like an on-screen yeah. character. Um, which, by the way, I mean, if you, I don't know if you've seen the audio. The, uh, there's have you listened to the audio commentary, the Trader Tony one? Yeah, no. It's um, yeah. The, the audio commentary is uh, Henry Zabrowski from last podcast as Trader Tony. Wow, um, and he's Hell he's yeah. phenomenal. Like, I mean, Henry's fucking he's the man. He's the so, best. Yeah. Um, but it's really fucking funny. Like, I like it just as much as just watching the movie. Like, he's just naturally it's literally like my inspiration was um uh you know Bubba Hotep, how they have the commentary with Bruce Campbell as Elvis. I wanted yeah. to do something like that, uh, with Trader Tony. Um but yeah, oh, so if, um, if you want a uh, hold on, if you want a cringy version of commentary, I believe the second Dungeons and Dragons movie has a commentary <laughs> track with all of the characters in it, do, like 
reacting. Oh my in god! Character, <laughs> and that's what and that's what Russ brings to the show. Ladies I and haven't gentlemen. watched it, but I do play a tabletop game every week, and I have been told that it is uh, more entertaining than just the movie. Oh my god, it's so fucking funny. Um, <laughs> what, what was I gonna it, fucking it's say? Cringe. <laughs> so, you know what's cool about your film is that you've like doubled down on the your fourth dimension of what w or the sequel is with trader tony the commentary track is so interesting because it's an in-world film but now you get to like watch it with the character who's not portrayed in the movie yeah but is responsible for it it's yeah. almost like it's a sequel with i don't know i haven't watched it so i don't know what's going on yeah. with it but no, I mean, I'll like mean, say it's really cool. And then, like, my actual commentary as a director is an Easter egg, um, which is pretty easy to find. Um, but yeah, yeah, which is kind of like, yeah, like Jesus Christ, I, I didn't even make my director comedy commentary like as like a main clickable thing. <laughs> um, but I think that's that's, the, that's just kind of the bozo I am. <laughs> yeah, but that's why we keep looking out for your movies. Oh, I you're sweet. <laughs> it, it gets you know, I mean, I like, but that's like honestly, like guys like you, like that, like watch that, like people that really this resonate with that's what motivates me to do it because I've made less traditional narrative movies because one, because I really like making this stuff. Like I really like, I have a fun time doing fake media. Um, but also because it's like, people do really dig it and they get just as like passionate, enthusiastic. Whereas like a lot of straight horror movies, you know, people watch it once and then it, and then it sort of dies. These movies with, with world building like this have a tendency of, of staying in your head a little longer. You know? Well, also when you're like a collector like me and you have a bunch of movies, it gets kind of, you know what I hate is when people come over, they're looking at your shelf and they pull something off and they're like, oh, this looks cool. They immediately go on their phone. They watch the trailer. Then they look up where they can stream it and they're done with that physical copy. Yeah. And I'm like, Man, <laughs> fuck you. I almost feel like I should get royalties for marketing a movie or something. <laughs> but with, with your film, if they pull it off the shelf and look at it, they're not going to be able to watch it. And I, yeah. I, I don't know. It makes me feel empowered. I'm like, no. <laughs> Like now you have to come to me or buy it directly from you. I'm the king of my domain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The master librarian. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, Chris, again, uh, this was a blast. Uh, yeah. Too long, man. It'd been, I think, uh, I 300 episodes have passed. Yeah, no, and, and sorry I couldn't hop on sooner or during the witching season. We were on that tour, and it was fucking exhausting. But I really appreciate you guys having us on, uh, having me on, I should say. God, <laughs> um, really means a lot. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.